Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. We're here in Hamburg in a very tall hotel room and we're going to deliver you some news coming out of Europe and the rest of the world today on Before Coffee. Remember that AFD we were talking about yesterday? Well, another member is in hot water for using a Nazi slogan at the end of his speech. Also today, we we explored the giant lithium deposit found in Nevada. And in more European news, the EU needs to prepare for enlargement, says the EU Commissioner Chief. Also in Good Twos Newsday, the talking heads get back together for a What's Making Sense Tour interview. Coming out of culture, MTV VMAs 2023. Taylor Swift wins big in a ceremony celebrating hip-hop and Shakira. And those news and more in this day on National Policewoman Day, which is September 12th, 2023. Before coffee from Hamburg. Coming out of Berlin, or sorry, coming out of Germany, far-right AFD's Bjorn Hoek faces trial for Nazi slogan. This is from DW.com, which I think is Deutschnews.com. A German regional court says the chairman of the far-right alternative for Germany, AFD party, in the state of Thuringia, Bjorn Hoek, will face a trial for his alleged use of banned Nazi slogans. The use of the Nazi symbols or propaganda outside educational and historical context is banned in Germany for obvious reasons. Um, It is alleged that Hoke knowingly used the motto of the SA, the parliamentary ring of the Nazi party, at a speech in May 2021. The accusation is that he ended his speech with the phrase, everything for Germany, knowing that the phrase was forbidden as one often used by the SA. The speech took place at a party rally in front of 250 people in the eastern state of Saxony-Anhalt. Spokesperson for the Hollow Regional Court said it had allowed the prosecution's charges to proceed. However, the court refused to bid by the prosecution to elevate the case to a higher court, instead finding that it should be heard in a chamber where comparable past cases had been tried. Prosecutors can object to Wednesday's findings, but Hawk cannot. He will have to face a hearing. State lawmakers last week voted to strip Hawk of his parliamentary immunity over separate charges of criminal incitement. Prosecutors allege that Hawk stirred hatred in 2022 social media posts linking Muslim immigrate immigrants to a violent incident in the southwestern city of Ludwigshafen. States parliament member in Germany generally have protection against prosecution. Criminal probes and charges against them can only progress with approval of parliamentary committee. Hawk has in the past advocated and advocated revisionist views of German Nazis past. They weren't that bad. Sure, they killed a bunch of people, but like they built the Autobahn. That yeah. In 2018, he called the Holocaust Memorial in Berlin a monument of shame. He also said Germany needed to perform a 180-degree turn when it comes to the way it remembers its past. Okay, so it is a shame to the people of Germany who let it happen. That's, they didn't, you know, hey, stop taking my neighbor. 
don't take them. Oh, they're moving out? No, they're not moving out. They're being forced out. Yeah, just stood there on the street and said, oh, yeah, the Thompsons have left. Yeah, exactly. From Hamburg, News for America, from the Good News Network, Andy Corbley. Lithium discovery in Crater in Nevada could be the biggest deposit ever found. Even half of the lithium that's estimated to exist in the McDermott caldera is mined, it would have changed the world, full stop. Earlier this year, GNN reported that a massive lithium reserves holding 5.9 million metric tons were discovered in the Indian mountains near Kashmir, which put them among the highest known lithium reserves in Earth by country. The McDermott caldera reserves are almost 700% larger or 40 million metric tons, 13 million more than the known reserves of every lithium producing mine on Earth. With every manufacturing nation running around for lithium to make batteries and computer chips and any additional source is highly anticipated. Up until now, large deposits have been found all around the world, but Bolivia is believed to hold the highest at between 16 to 20 million metric tons. However, political turmoil and low development rates have interfered with getting their reserves out of the ground. If you believe they're back of the envelope estimation, this is a very, very significant deposit of lithium. Anna Anak Borscht, a geologist at KU Leuven University, told the journalist Anthony King, it could change the dynamics of lithium globally in terms of price, security of supply, and geopolitics. A new, uh, a new analysis in the situ lithium reveals that the sediments of the McDermott caldera include a unique claystone composed, composed of mineral iliite that could contain as much as 2.4% lithium by composition, which is higher than the more widely extracted magnesium smithsite. The claystone formed after incredible amounts of alkaline magna, about 1,000 times more magna than Mount St. Helens in 1980, was blasted out of the volcano located on the border with Nevada and Oregon. Cooling it down, cooling down, it formed ignimbrite, which eroded away at the crater floor to produce lithium-rich particles, after which a lake formed in the crater which collected lithium and mineral-rich clay at the bottom before another eruption mixed in lithium-containing alkaline brine. Mining at the deposit is likely to begin in 2026, having been now thoroughly surveyed by the Lithium Americas Corporation, as well as securing a supply line of valuable mineral to U.S. manufacture allows quality control concerning both environmental and labor practices. With so few available lithium suppliers, manufacturers often don't have the luxury of being able to ensure their supply chains are free of practices like debt slavery child labor environmental pollution and other problems that have been known to plague mineral supply chains like cobalt with concentrated supply from nevada oregon manufacturers can avoid supporting explorative explorative operations elsewhere that's yours that's your good news good news news day Good news for the environment and for your, your lithium batteries becoming cheaper in the long run. Coming out of the European Union, this is from Lisa O'Carroll, the Brussels correspondent. The European Union must immediately prepare for radical changes needed for Ukraine and other countries to become members of the bloc, Ursula von der Leyen has said. In our annual State of the Union address, I don't know why it's in quotes, I guess it's because that's the American thing, 
but it's yeah, it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. Some dude who's in power says, hey, this is what's happening. We're going to talk about some stuff. The European Commission president warned member states of the need to match the determination of Ukraine and others to get ready for an enlarged EU. We cannot afford to leave our fellow Europeans behind, von der Leyen said in her last State of the Union speech before the EU election starts next year. There are concerns that while the EU has set out reform goals to Ukraine, Moldova, and seven other countries queuing to join the bloc, it has yet to provide detailed proposals on changes needed in member states. Von der Leyen said critical to EU expansion would be an increase in budget, what the bloc financed and how it was financed, along with credible security commitments. Yeah, as in, let's stop Russia from invading a bunch of places. Reference to the debate about Ukraine's bid to join NATO. There are questions we must address today if we want to be ready for tomorrow, she said. One of the key concerns for an enlarged EU is efficient law. Individual members can veto certain proposals, and if the bloc were to grow in size, the unanimity would be harder to achieve. Yeah, it's easier to make seven people agree than 27, which I think is currently how many... I think it's 27. It might be 32. It was one of those numbers. That's how many countries are currently in the EU. Yeah. Changes to those rules could need tweaks to European treaties, something that would require referendums in countries such as Ireland. Von der Leyen said member states should not wait to have those debates at home. We cannot and we should not wait for treaty change to move ahead with enlargement, she said, adding that MEPs' questions about union over 30 countries will work in practice. The 27-member bloc could expand to 36 or 37. Yeah, see, there we go. So it's 27. I think that's what I said, 27. So I was right. And they <laughs> could expand to 36. With nine countries in the queue and one, Georgia, some way along the path towards ascension. I believe that Team Europe also works as a 30-plus, said von der Leyen. She pushed back on calls by the European Council President, Charles Michel, to set a 2030 deadline for ascension, saying that joining the EU must, merit, must be merit-based and would come with deepening of political ties with Eastern Europe and Western Balkan countries. Unless the debate about key changes start in the EU capitals, the EU could find itself in the embarrassing situation in which Ukraine has completed its reforms to join the bloc, but it was not ready to make a country the it was not ready to make the country a member. So it could have joined the EU and then it didn't because the EU wasn't ready for them and now look what's happened. They've been invaded by Russia. Von der Leyen reiterated the EU support for Ukraine in its fight against Russia and vowed to support Kyiv for as long as it takes. Her speech was a run through the highlights of her first term as president of the European Commission, but also as an opportunity to lay out goals for the future, with European parliamentary elections being held next June. China's dominant position in many sectors, including those of for critical raw materials needed for electric cars, semiconductors, and solar panels, was a thread that run through the 20-page speech. That's a lot of pages. In her strongest and most specific remarks yet on the electric car sector, von der Leyen issued a veiled warning that the EU would not tolerate China dumping cut price electric cars on the European market. With its control of the supply of lithium hydroxide, which we just talked about lithium in your story, a key compound of electric vehicle batteries, China poses a big threat. European car makers are including BMW, Volkswagen, and Fiat and Pugo are threatened by China. The Chinese conglomerate BYD launched two electric cars in June, and the industry forecasted a suggested 
800,000 cars from China could be sold in the EU by 2025. In her speech, von der Leyen said global markets were flooded with cheaper Chinese electric cars whose prices were kept artificially low by huge state subsidies. This was distorting our market and it was something the EU would not accept, she added. All of that was in quotes. Von der Leyen announced an anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese electric cars and said Europe is open for competition, not for a race to the bottom. But she also confirmed industry fears of political tightropes. Equally... It is vital to keep open lines of communication and dialogue with China. Von der Leyen said, referencing the EU's formal policy of de-risking or not decoupling from Beijing. Her warnings to China are also the strongest hint yet that the European Commission will bow to demands by the UK and EU carmaker that a 10% tariff of electric vehicle exports within the bloc is suspended to allow German, French, Italian, British, and Central European factories to catch up with Chinese expertise. Setting out legislative goals for the next 100 days, von der Leyen also touched on the threat and opportunities posed by artificial intelligence, saying EU leaders had a narrowing window of opportunity to guide the technology responsibly. She said getting EU legislators on a f- artificial, inte- artificial intelligence which is in its final stages, passed within the next 100 days, was one of her priorities. So there's your update here on the European Commission and how it's soon become, going to become not just a political economical situation, but also a geopolitical economic situation as they're trying to make sure that every single European country sometime joins. In music news from jambands.com, staff writer... Talking Heads reunite for 40th anniversary screening of Stop Making Sense. On Monday, September 11th, Talking Heads came together in Scotiabank IMAX Theater in Toronto for a live Q&A to mark the 40th anniversary of the celebrated concert film Stop Making Sense, which was screened at the city's International Film Festival. The event, which featured David Byrne, Tino Weymouth, Chris Franz, and Jerry Harrison, Represented the first public appearance by the group in over 20 years. Yesterday's event was a coming together of honor the groundbreaking concert film and its historic anniversary, which was celebrated through the rise of a newly restored 4K version of the movie, an accompanying theatrical run via A24, and the gathering of celebrated musicians. The aforementioned panel was hosted by Spike Lee, who welcomed the former bandmates to the stage following the screening for a discussion. During the watch session, folks in the audience rose from their seats, encouraged, engaging in the music as they felt like four decades strong beats pulsed through the speakers. Commenting on the audience's reaction to the movie, Franz said, It's a little steep for dancing, but some people managed to, Harrison responded. I couldn't sit at the side seat. I had to walk up to the back and watch it up there so I could dance around a little bit and just sort of experience. I didn't want to be off to the side. I wanted to experience the whole screen. When I was watching this just now, I was thinking, this is why we come to the movie theaters. This is what, this is different than watching it on my laptop, laughed the group's former front man. This is really different, he concluded. The conversation lasted, tw- lasted 20, 20 minutes, during which the time, which time the host never poked at the possibility of a reunion or potential for new music sticking to the script at the topic of hand. This is more or less what we've been doing on tour, Byrne revealed to Lee. 
There were a couple of songs that were cut out. The intermission at the Encore Gap was cut out. But other than that, this is the kind of show we were doing. It seemed like it was kind of a progression to it, a story, and it occurred to us. This could maybe work as a film. It's got a beginning and a middle and an end, and we could start thinking about who would, who could direct this. How can we do this, and how can we pay for it? Later, when Lee referred to Stop Making Sense as the greatest concert film ever, Franz responded, Well, you know, Talking Heads was such a good band, and when we had, we had that expanded lineup, I mean, excuse me for blowing my own horn, our own horn. It's good to see... It's good to be here with my band base tonight. Been a long time with the expanded lineup with Steve Scales, Bernie Worrell, Lynn Mabry, Edna Holt, and Alex Weir. They just took us to a whole nother dimension, you know. I'm grateful, I'm grateful that be here tonight and be able to watch this and enjoy it so much. Before concluding their stage time, the groups also mentioned the film's director, Jonathan Demme, who passed away in 2019. He certainly dug the band and understood what we were about and helped us celebrate the music. Because when you get right down to the music is greater than the band. Like we, we might be dead, but the music continues. He added, Jonathan gave us a lot of confidence, made us feel that it was something worthwhile and something worthy of making a motion picture and something worthy of being remembered into the future. He was a very pure kind of guy and a sweet person. It was a great pleasure to have known him. So the Talking Heads get together just for an interview. In culture news, the MTV VMAs happened, and I don't think it matters because I think the VMAs are probably the least useful artistry critic show. Uh, the general rule is, hey, you showed up. Here's an award. And if you don't show up, we're not giving it to you. So that's how that goes. Why is this opening another thing in a different app? Stop that. Okay. So let's read the article here from Andrian Horton, who's going to tell us what happened at the MTV VMAs. Because it looks like Taylor Swift, once again, dominated the MTV Video Music Awards. Probably because she shows up every year, and they love her, and she's a sweetheart. And they're just like, oh, Taylor's so nice. Give her all these little guys with the, what is it? What is it? An astronaut, right? It's like an astronaut guy. She's winning for every televised category in which she was nominated in a night that otherwise celebrated Latin music, including the preeminence of Shakira as well as 50 years of hip hop. Swift, currently in the middle of the first billion dollar stadium tour in history, took home the night's top prize, video of the year, for her Midnight's track, Antihero, as well as best direction, best pop video, and song of the year. The 33-year-old singer dedicated her wins to the artists of songwriting as well as presenters NSYNC, who reunited for the first time in over a decade to give her one award, and her video editor, Chancellor Haynes, and cinematography, Rena Yang, who spoke on Swift's behalf for a Video of the Year win. After splitting MC duties with LL Cool J and Jack Harlow last year, Nicki Minaj took over as the sole host of the 40th annual VMAs at the Prudential Center in New Jersey and won an award, Best Hip Hop, for a track Super Freaky Girl. So often I joke around and play around and stuff, but tonight, I don't know why. This morning I just woke up and I had this really strong sense of gratitude, she said. Yeah, I mean, you're already getting paid billions to host the awards. <laughs> I'm making so much money. 
The performance-heavy, relatively chaos-free VMAs devoted a significant portion of its nearly four-hour ceremony to ce celebrating 50 years of hip-hop, from a night-opening performance by Lil Wayne to the VMA debut of Metro Boomin, to a fine finale medley featuring Dougie Fresh, Grandmaster Flash, The Furious Five, LL Cool J, Daryl McDaniels of Rum DMC, and Lil Wayne and Minaj herself. Mary J. Blige presented the Global Icon Award to Diddy, aka Puff Daddy, and Love, whose real name is Sean Combs. Nobody deserves to be called an icon more than this man, especially when he helped kill Tupac. That's one of the theories, anyways. <laughs> Blige showed with the rapper, producer, business mogul, and record executive who performed a sequence of hits from Mo Money, Mo Problems to Last Night with Keisha Cole, along with his sons, King Combs. Love wins, y'all. Love wins, Combs said in a speech that covered his origins as a paper boy before getting cast in music videos by dancing, doing my ditty jig in a New York club. I appreciate all you coming and just give me flowers and celebrating me. This is a dream come true for me. The VMAs also nodded to the global domination of Latin music from artists such as the Brazilian An... Nita, who won Best Latin for Funk Rave, Mexican breaker artist Peso Pluma, and Colombian singer Carol G, who became the first female artist to score a number one Spanish language album with Manana, Manana Sera Bonito. I can speak Spanish. Carol G won for the best collaboration with fellow Colombian Shakira, the night's guest of honor, for their song TGQ. She's a legend. She represents our country and our Latina community, said Carol Jean Spanish. Wycliffe Jean presented Shakira with her Video Vanguard Award for her contributions to global music. Latin music should not be the global force that it is without Shakira, he said of the 46-year-old Colombian singer, who performed a medley of hits that took her from Contortions in a Box, She Wolf, to center stage dancing with knives whenever, whenever, to crowd surfing while singing BZRP Music Session Volume 53. <laughs> That's a long one. In a brisk acceptance speech, Shakira paid tribute to the amazing women who helped her push industry boundaries. Her two sons, Milan and Sasha, and her fans who always support me through thick and thin. Thank you for so much for being my army and helping me fight all my battles. Okay. Also winning, Olivia Rodrigo, who has her sophomore album that is not a complete failure because you never know when you have a big hit album if your next one's gonna be good uh SZA also won for best rb&b tiffany haydish presented the first ever televised award for best afrobeats to rima and selena gomez for the song calm down but of course as we end this article here the night belonged to swift who closed out the show with another video of the year award a year after she announced her 10th studio album midnights on stage the fact that this is a fan-voted award means so much to me, she said of the Knights Capstan Award. All I have to say tonight is thank you. I'm blown away. And this day in 1683, September 12th, the Siege of Vienna ended after a combined force led by John III Sobieski of Portland, Poland, not of Portland. He later moved to Portland and started a lumberjack. Uh, never mind. Defeated the Turkish invaders in 1683. On September 12, 1733, Stanislaw I was elected king of Poland by the Sajum Diet of 12,000 delegates of Warsaw. The move led to the War of Polish Secession. 
1814, the Genevan Republic was admitted to the ranks of the Swiss cantons. So Geneva became a Swiss canton. In 1919, Italian nationalist poet Gabriel D'Annunzio led the occupation of the Adriatic port city of Fion, now, now Rijka, Croatia, Rijka, Croatia, bringing to the front the Flum question, a Fiumi question. Uh, I don't have the answer to that one. 1934, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania signed the Treaty of Understanding for Cooperation, providing for mutual defense, mainly against Nazi Germany, which had replaced the Soviet Union as the most likely aggressor against the Baltic states. In 1940, in Montenac, France, four teenage boys found a Lex Cas Cave, which contains the most outstanding displays of prehistoric art ever discovered. Yeah, you see the, you can see them a couple there. Not the best resolution. German commandos in 1943 effected the escape of Benito Mussolini to Munich during World War II. But they still caught him. 1953, U.S. Senator and future President JFK, John F. Kennedy, married Jacqueline Bouvier in Newport, Rhode Island, where my parents used to live. 1959, the Soviet Union launched Luna II, the first space probe to hit the moon, and it hit it really hard. 1959, the TV series Bonanza premiered on NBC and became one of the longest-running westerns in broadcast history. In 1966, the sitcom The Monkees, featuring the pop rock group fashioned after the Beatles, debuted on American television. Although canceled after two seasons, the show enjoyed enduring popularity and syndication, backed by such as songs as I Am a Believer. In 1974, Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia was deposed by the Derg, a committee of revolutionary soldiers. In 1977, South African acti activist Stephen Biko died from injuries suffered while in police custody. He subsequently became an international martyr for South African black nationalism, uh, immortalized by a song by Peter Gabriel and probably the guy that everybody gets confused with, Nelson Mandela. And for the Mandela effect. 1980, the senior command of the Turkish army led by General Keenan Everett carried out a bloodless coup in their homeland. 1980 92, astronaut Mae Jameson became the first African American woman to fly in space, part of the STS 47 Space Lab J mission. And 2003, country music legend Johnny Cash, who's craggy, simply simple poetics, hard won integrity, and advocacy of the dispossessed, transformed him into an American icon, died at the age of 71 on this day. 20 years ago today well of course today i'm being redundant 2014 political politician ian paisley who is militant protestant leader in the factionalized conflict that divided northern ireland from 1960s until the 20 21st century died at the age of 88 featured event death of french composer Rimmel. yes right Remo died on this day in 1764. He is known for his harpsichord music and famous composer of operas, including the masterpiece Pygmalion. 
And also feature biography is Jesse Owens' birthday today. Jesse was born in September 12, 1913, 110 years ago. He, of course, won a bunch of medals at the 1930s, 1936 Olympics and said, up yours, Hitler. No, he didn't say that. It was just symbolic of up yours, Hitler. In 1980, H.L. Mencken was born. 1880, H.L. Mencken was born. 1960, uh, 1967, Louis C.K., uh, American comedian, was born. 1980, Yao Ming, Chinese basketball player, was born. And in 1981, Jennifer Hudson, American singer and actress, was born. And what day is it today besides Hug the Female Cop? It is... What day is it today? It is... It is September 12th. It is... National Anson Log Day. This day recognized an iconic snack enjoyed by millions of Americans. It's National Chocolate Milkshake Day. That was not yesterday. It's National Day of Encouragement. So get out there and accomplish that thing you've been wanting to do, people. And National Policewoman Day. We did that. National Report Medicare Fraud Day. And it's United Nations Day for South-South Cooperation. This has been Allison here from the now sunny, but was previously cloudy, city of Hamburg. As we are going to see the sights, and we'll see you tomorrow for some Wacky Wednesday news. And this is Roger signing off from downtown Hamburg, where you can see everything behind us. On September 12th, 2023 edition of Before Coffee. Be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notify buttons. And follow our other channels. Toxic Alley, History of Gravy, and Scratchy Old Records.